Hey, good morning. Hey, if you're in the room, I'm impressed. Um, I'm not, <laughs> there you go. It, I, I, I mean, it, it's, it's amazing. I'm not sure who ordered this weather. Here it is on Valentine's Day. Maybe I can guess. I don't know. We're planning on talking about, talking about uh, sex and intimacy today on Valentine's Day, and now nobody's here, but maybe it works out. Most of you are at home. You can move. You, know, you kind of snuggle under a blanket together and listen to this together. It'll be just fine. I'm Charlie, the lead pastor here, if, you are, if you're new, joining us online, and we are really glad uh, that really that everybody's here, and like Mark mentioned earlier, we are now three weeks into a series on uh, marriage and family, and what we've been doing, um, what we're going to do for this entire five weeks is just kind of did some research and just kind of looked at kind of what the five top causes for divorce are, and we're just kind of tackling them in no particular order, one by one. Uh, just kind of what are these what are these big challenges and stressors that are facing marriage that when people are asked like what broke up your marriage what broke up your family uh, what what are these things and let's just tackle them and we started two weeks ago we talked about how extended family can be that kind of pressure that it can be difficult to leave the family that you were you were raised in and really start this new family there's just and there's just this constant pressure. And um, we need to be mindful. We need to be mindful of our relationship with our spouse and, and giving our attention and energy there. And last week we talked about money, which again, I was surprised wasn't number one, it was number two, but money is a, is a huge pressure. And it doesn't matter how much of it you have or how little of it you have. I mean, there's just a lot of pressure points about, about being on the same page and how do we, how do we deal with stress and having a very selfish attitude about money, even in the context of marriage. And I just, if, either, if you've not seen either or both of those, and either of those is a pressure point in your family right now, I mean, I would just strongly encourage you to um, go back and look at those. Seems like we're going to have time over the next few days. And so I encourage you to do that. And so what we have been talking about in the context of both of those, and it's going to kind of just keep coming up every week, is this passage in Genesis chapter 2, that then uh, Jesus repeats and emphasizes in Matthew chapter 19 about unity in marriage. Matthew 19, verse 4. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female, and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together... Let no one separate. And so in that passage in Genesis 2 and what, and what Jesus is saying here, is like, man, this is the coming together of two people to become one thing, one family, one couple. And God is the one that has brought you together in marriage. And what God has brought together, no one can separate. And there's this the idea you leave and you come together and now you put... You, you now we have this new family now now we are this we are we are married god god says you are you are one and the thing that we said 2 weeks ago that i just want to emphasize again we touched on it a little last week too your spouse is your primary relationship now i don't want to be confusing here i mean your relationship with god is what is primary in your life in fact it is only through um really allowing God fully and totally into your life 
by allowing the gospel of Jesus Christ to come and transform you, to allow God's spirit to come into you and develop you and transform your character from the inside out, is the only way you're going to be able to do any of these things that we're talking about. I mean, it is, it is of primary importance that you have a connected, vital relationship with God. So when we say that this is your primary relationship, we're talking about it is with respect to other people, to your family, even to your kids, to work, to friends. No matter what it is we're talking about, in the context of marriage, th- that is your primary personal relationship with, an, with, with another human. Again, I, leaving God out of it. That is your primary relationship. And, um, and, and rather than, I think this thing that can, that can, that can happen is, is that very often um, we have our primary relationship, our spouse, they're the one that we know that we can count on, we can trust, that they are always there for us. And so we take them for granted. It's like, I've got all this stress out here and all these things, all these challenges I've got to give all this energy to, and I don't have any left for my spouse, but I know that they're always there. And so we kind of take them for granted at the end of a stressful day, as opposed to making sure that that relationship is always and completely and totally strong. And then it is from there, we've got a great relationship with God. Things are good at home with my spouse. It is from there that then I can have the strength and the energy to live out these other relationships, to be a good parent, to be a good friend, to be a good brother, a good sister. And so we, we need to make sure that the strength of that relationship is, is what we use then to kind of build the strength of the other relationships rather than take it for granted. And so we've talked about extended family, we've talked about money, and so today we're talking about the number one thing that was on just about every list. And the number one thing that is the cause for breakup and stress in marriage is infidelity. And I'm a math guy, and I'm a, I got a person who likes order, and you think, man, why would you do number one in the very middle of the series? Why don't you just do like a countdown? And I'm telling you, man, I really wanted to do a countdown. But then suddenly you look up, and one of the Sundays of the series is actually on February 14th. And we have the opportunity to talk about our sexual relationship with our spouse here a little bit on Valentine's Day, and now you add to the fact that most of you are home alone, cuddling on the couch. This is perfect. It's a perfect opportunity here. And so, in the, like, so, so we start still with this same idea that your spouse is your primary relationship with other people. That's your primary relationship. And as such, as we think about sex and infidelity, I want to say this. Your spouse is your primary relationship, and they should receive your best energy. Now, here's the thing. We could do a talk on infidelity as the number one cause for breakups in marriage. And there are plenty of places around, uh, plenty of churches, that if were, were decided that this was going to be the topic, it would be a very simple, straightforward sermon where we say, the Bible says that cheating on your spouse is wrong. Guys, don't do that. And then you just say it over and over again in different ways in varying degrees of anger and frustration and judgment and finger-wagging. And then you think, 
I have solved the world's infidelity problem by telling you that it's wrong. I don't think that there's anybody out there that on the front end, I don't want to say anybody out there, people who are trying to strive for God's best for their family and for their own lives who need to be convinced that infidelity is, is in and of itself wrong. I, th- I, think, I think that we, we, we know that and, and yet. And yet, over 50% of marriages that split up will say that infidelity was a part of the problem. And it's not a question, again, for most of us that know that it's not wrong. But what, what, are, what are some of these root causes? And, and again, I want to start with this idea of that your spouse needs to receive your best energy. And if you were here for, we talked about money last week or for our money series in the fall, I kind of use this illustration to say, that too often when we think about our money, we go one direction, which is against what God wants, which is I spend until I, I've got everything that I want, and if I have any left over, I'll save for a rainy day, and if I have any left over from that, I'll save for the future. If I have any left over from that, finally, I'll give what's last, what's left over to God. But that God wants us to do the opposite, which is to say I'm going to give to God first, save for the future next, save for emergencies next, and then spend whatever is left. And I would like to suggest a, a similar idea for what our relationship with our spouses need to be. Now again, for a lot of people, you know, your most intimate connection and your most intimate time with your spouse is in the evening, which is at the end of the day. And so what can tend to happen is, I wake up in the morning is stressful and I'm tired and then there's work and there's kids and there's... You know, there's, there's challenges and there's all these things that happen. And if at the end of the day, after all of the stress and anxiety that comes from work and family and friends and kids, extended family, everything, after all of the stress, if I have energy left for my spouse, I will, I will, give, that, I will give that energy to them. I will give them some intimate, connected time. But if I don't, I don't. And again, they need to understand, which is the thing I was talking about earlier, which is taking your spouse for granted. But the reality of it is, is that you need to make sure no matter how long your day is, no matter how stressful your day is, I have in reserve, I have planned to save some of my best energy for my spouse. I am not going to allow the stress of my day I'm not going to allow, allow the loudness and rebelliousness of my kids. I'm not going to allow pressure from my boss. I'm not going to an uh, unexpected phone call from an extended family member that went back. I'm not going to let any of these things. I have, I have a tank of energy that is special and it is reserved and nothing in my day can take away from that. And so I have this I have this set aside for my spouse, and then I just have this leftover energy for the rest of the day. And there is nothing that can happen that will take that away. And so, I, I plan for this. I plan to have energy to connect intimately with my spouse. And again, depending on how old you are, you know, your, your varying rhythms, 
We're not talking about every day. If we are talking about every day and you are still that young, congratulations. I, that's good for you. But we're not necessarily talking about every day. There's a rhythm that you have in varying seasons of marriage. Every couple of days, every three days, every four days, twice a week. Whatever your rhythm is, I am saving enough energy for at the time when my spouse and I have the opportunity to intimately and sexually connect, I have that energy ready. I have it. I didn't, I didn't spend it anywhere else because that is something that I save for them. And so we're not asking you to have sex with your spouse every day, but to make sure in a rhythm of what feels like a good amount of connected sexual relationship, that, that I have enough energy to make sure that we're doing that. And some people, they, they, want, they, they want to know this, and this is one of the things that is we just don't ever talk about, like how often you're supposed to have sex. Like People don't ever want to talk about that. And the reason that you don't want to talk about it is, is that everyone is afraid that their number's too low. And so it's best for me to just not talk about it because some things we just don't want to compare to. And honestly, the comparison does not matter. Someone who has two kids, three kids, four kids, has been married 10, 15 years, who may be in their 30s and their 40s, compared to someone in their early 20s who just got married, there's no comparison there. It's not about comparison. It is about you and your spouse coming together and saying, what feels like a good rhythm for us? And, and you're probably going to come up with two different numbers. And these, again, we, we merge them into one because we are one. And we know, because we talk about it, because we experience it, what is a good, healthy amount of sexual intimacy between, our, between us in order for us to have a healthy relationship. We have talked about it and we experience it. And once we've talked about it and experienced it, then everyone makes sure that they always have the reserve energy that is necessary. But problems come up. And one spouse, both spouses, whatever can't manage it, don't manage it. And suddenly, the rhythm of sexual intimacy that is needed in your relationship in order to just maintain a good, healthy, connected relationship for whatever reason, whoever is at fault, it's just not happening. And if it's just not happening, then what do you do about it? And I want to make sure what's very clear. I, I, I kind of half-mocked it earlier by saying that some people when talking about infidelity would just say don't do it, infidelity is bad, they would just say that and be done. But I, I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to get away from saying it, but I want to say something more, but we'll just start with this. If you're not receiving the intimate connected energy that you need from your spouse, looking for it elsewhere is a sin. Let's just be clear. It is a sin to look elsewhere for the intimacy that you want, for the intimacy that you feel that you need. And there's plenty of verses in Proverbs that talk about someone who kind of, people who cheat on their spouse. I mean, he just, he refers to the guy as an idiot, you're a fool, you're an idiot. 
I looked out my window and I saw this idiot walking down the street. He went down to this other person's house, wasn't even his wife. And I'm like, what is the deal with this idiot? Idiot's not a Hebrew word, but you get the basic gist of what Solomon is saying there. But before he says that, he says something a little more subtle, and it's the more subtle proverb that I would like to share with you right now in Proverbs 27, 8. Like a bird that flees its nest is anyone who flees from home. Now, he's not talking about going to work, not talking about going out to get the groceries, not talking about leaving your house to go get something, to go do something. He's obviously also not talking about a kid leaving home to go start his own home. Not talking about that. But it is a setup for what he's about to talk about in a few verses later when he talks about adultery. Like you've got a bird who leaves the nest. And in that nest is relationship, is security, is warmth, is everything that is needed. You would not go do that. You would not just go out just flying around looking for the things that are in the nest. And when you leave home, when you walk away, when you begin to start looking for things outside of your home that are supposed to be found in your home, you've got a problem. Long before there is any sexual contact, long before there is anything physical happening, the problem with infidelity starts. It starts long before sexual contact, long before anything that we would call, quote, adultery. Because with very, very, very few exceptions, adultery does not happen like this. There is not a situation out there where there is a healthy, connected, intimate marriage where someone goes, you know what I think I want to do? I think I want to have sex with them. And for those in the camera, I'm literally pointing at no one because no one would need that level of awkwardness, right? I, I think I want to have sex with this person who's not my wife, who's not my husband. People don't do that. It happens over time. And it happens slowly. And it begins with this idea of, I need this connected energy from my spouse. I need this intimacy. I need this routine. And suddenly, it's not there and if, I, if it's not happening here, well, then I'm going to go look for it elsewhere. Or maybe not even go look for it. If it finds me, I'm open to it. And there's a story. Again, this story predates me knowing any of you. So I guess not any of you. I've known Mark for quite some time. Um, this Long before we were here in Fayetteville, I was doing a marriage counseling uh, with, with a couple, and they were... They were in crisis, and um, he was cheating on her, and they theoretically were trying to resolve it. Turns out they, he was actually not, but was playing the game at least for a little bit. And during one of the sessions, he just, he just, he just ghosted. He didn't, he didn't show up at all. And so it was just me and her, and we were just talking. Just talking a little bit about their marriage and her, and I was just kind of doing this thing that, that I always do when I talk about marriage, just kind of, Go to Ephesians 5 and talk about what it means to submit to one another and what the 
what, what it looks like, what a, what a healthy wife looks like, what a healthy husband looks like. And I'm going through all of this. And at the point in which I'm describing the way that a healthy husband is supposed to talk to his wife, there was a flash, there was a moment in her eye where her eyes changed. Where she began to look at me very differently than she had before. Like someone who had not heard a man talk to her or say those words near her in a very, very long time. And she began to look at me differently. And there was a moment in my heart where I thought in that moment, Oh, this is how it happens. Because if in my heart in that moment, let's say that I had not been getting the regular connected energy that I, an intimate connection with my wife that I wanted or needed, and I had a bad attitude and I was thinking things like, well, man, I can't believe my wife doesn't respect me. She doesn't love me. She won't connect with me. We're not having sex anymore. She, I, feel, I feel like she doesn't even really care about me anymore. And then and all of a sudden in one very strange, unpredicted incident, this woman looks at me the way that I wish that my wife looked at me. And suddenly I'm thinking, there's probably more things that I could say that she would really, really like. And really all I'm doing, all I'm doing is talking to her about what a healthy marriage looks like. I'm a pastor for goodness sake. I'm counseling her. I'm helping her. And it's, it's nothing's, nothing's wrong with that. And it doesn't seem like he's very serious about this anyway. And so I need to get together with them again in a week. But he's probably going to show up. So I'll just, I'll just have just her come again. The church is just kind of a very sterile place to do this. Maybe, maybe, we, should just, maybe we should just have lunch. It would just be fine. And, and again, lunch is probably better than meeting at the church because it's, it's open, it's public. We're just, we're just having lunch and we're just talking. And I'm just telling her what a husband is supposed to be like and what a, how a wife is supposed to respond. And she's telling me what she thinks and feels about that. And it's all totally fine. We're just talking. We're just having lunch. It's harmless flirting. It doesn't mean anything. And the things, and these are the things that we said, we say. You may want me to finish the stories like, bro, but what did you do? I legitimately, I panicked. Like, I got so scared. I'm like, oh, no, this is not good. Is, uh, okay, well, this has been really good. So, okay, well, what's that finished? So, let's go. Yeah, so, I got up ushered her out and I immediately called my wife and I was like ah, ah, ah. I, was just, I, was, I, got, I freaked out and I promise you we, I mean I saw, I saw both of them again but make sure nothing like that ever happened again and I'm telling you that's the moment when you have to kill it you cannot go looking for it outside of your nest outside of your home and if it tries to accidentally find you you say no, and you act really awkward, and you usher it out, and you make sure that you know, and they know, and everybody knows, this is not happening. And there is no such thing as just kind of, it's just, it's just innocent flirting. It's just lunch. We're just talking. 
And again, I'm not saying that you cannot have lunch with someone who you know, that you work with or that is a friend. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you can't talk to them. I'm saying you know the difference. You know the difference. You can say we're just talking, we're just having lunch, but you know if it is or it isn't. And I'm telling you, when you know it isn't, don't. And if you don't know the difference, then just don't. Because you cannot look outside of your home, outside of your relationship with your spouse, with even the beginnings of intimacy. It's not just simply avoiding sexual contact with someone who's not your spouse. I'm not even going to let the beginnings of intimacy happen apart from my spouse. And so, looking outside, looking elsewhere is a sin. And there's one more thing that's a sin, and this one's going to land a little different, I'm sure. That rejecting intimacy is also a sin. 1 Corinthians 7, 5. Do not deprive each other, except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again, so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So what Paul is saying here is that there's never a good opportunity, there's never a good time to look at your spouse and say, ah, I'm not feeling it. Unless you both have agreed upon it and you are fasting from it for some reason for prayer. And then he says, even if you were to do that, don't do that for very long because you're not very good at controlling yourself, which is both true and insulting all at the same time. So what he's saying here is, he says, do not, do not, do not deprive each other. Don't. Now here's the thing, this is what I'm supposed to do, and you guys may not know the rhythm of this like I do, being a pastor myself, there's a rhythm to this. Now at this point, I'm supposed to give you all of the exceptions and clarifications and tweaks, and you need to make sure you understand this, and don't take this the wrong way. Can we just let that sit for just a little bit first, before I say anything else? Do not deprive each other. Don't. Just don't. I'll say it this way. There is a difference between actually having a headache and saying, I have a headache. There is a difference between being legitimately too tired and, say, and, and, and saying, I think I'm too tired. Again, if you are coming to your spouse saying, hey, I want you to gratify me, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about rejecting intimacy. And you saying, I, I'm, I, am, I am feeling sexually aroused and I need you to do something about it, that is something, but it's not a proposal for intimacy. So that doesn't get to count. And I swear to you, and this would be more me speaking to guys, I swear to you guys, if I even hear a story of you quoting that verse to your spouse, I will come to your house. I don't say I'm going to murder you, but we'll get close enough. And that is, I mean, that is, that again, using that verse is not a call to intimacy. That is making a demand out of somebody. And it is not what God is calling us to. And if someone ever did quote that verse to you, then of course you know the, the appropriate response is, 
Let's pray. I mean, that, that's, that, I, mean, that, I mean, that's how you respond to that. I, I, just, I just want to say this. There is, there is a difference when your spouse wants to connect with you sexually, with intimacy. There's a difference between you not being able to and you not wanting to. There's a difference between I really can't right now because of the stress of the last day, the last couple of days. I wish I could, I just can't. There's a difference between that and I just don't want to. And this idea of I don't want to is what Paul's talking about here. And I also want to suggest this, that too many I can'ts in a row is a symptom of a problem. Oh, I just, I really can't today. And it's the next day, oh, I really can't today. Oh, I just really can't today. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And, and each time you mean it, you don't feel like you're rejecting them. But enough of those, and now we need to go back to what we are talking about earlier. Probably not doing a good job of making sure that you're reserving your best energy for your spouse. But if your spouse comes to you and says, I want, I think it would be great if we connected intimately and sexually today. And you think, eh, I don't really want that. I just want you to know that there's a problem there. There's a, there's a problem. It's a, it's a fixable problem. It's a problem that can be diagnosed and treated and fixed. It's fine. There's a problem. The last couple of weeks, um, I've kind of left it with, hey, here's some challenging questions that you need to ask your spouse today or tomorrow. And honestly, in the spirit of Valentine's Day and in the spirit of this topic, I would just beg you, let's not fight about this today. Let's just not. Even, I mean, if you've already elbowed your spouse, I can't do anything about that in hindsight. But, man, let's not fight about this today. If anything, let's just let this be a launching pad to, man, that's right. I need connected sexual intimacy with my spouse, and I need it regularly. Let's, let's see if we can find a way to make that happen today. Let's, let's, let's do that instead. And let's wait, let's wait till Thursday. Can we, can we make, put it on your calendar right now? Let's, let's on Thursday, let's ask each other some questions. How do you feel about our rhythm? Do you feel like you're getting my best energy? And ask those kinds of questions. But in the heat of all of this, and on Valentine's Day, and all the weird pressure, and we're snowed in, and we couldn't get away if we wanted to, let's not fight today. Let's connect today. And let's save our big picture questions that we have about the nature of our relationship. Let's save them for later in the week. Now, I'll, I'll finish with this. This happened a couple of summers ago. Heidi and I were doing a relationships conference with some college students. And had an interesting group, an mix of people from students that were very committed in their relationship with God. Had been walking with them for years to brand new Christians. People who were not Christians at all. And we're talking about relationships and then one of these breakouts that I had, it was just me and another leader and just the guys in the room. And it was just kind of a question and answer deal. And, they, they, and this one question in particular that I got that um, really kind of struck me. And it said, um, I've already had sex and I really, really like it. So, and it was just kind of like, dot, dot, dot. 
And I really wish I'd recorded the speech because I think the thing that I said live in that moment I really like better than anything I've ever said as I've tried to retell this story over the last couple of years. But basically what I said to him is like, man, you have not had sex. You haven't. You've had physical contact with someone of the opposite gender. You've had sexual contact. Your parts and her parts came together and you had a physical moment. But you haven't had sex. You just haven't. Because the sex that God created is something vastly different than simply two people coming together physically. It is two people who are 100% emotionally, financially, physically, spiritually, 100% committed and connected to one another. And in one glorious moment, all of the emotional and physical and connected energy comes together for an experience with someone else that is well beyond the physical gratification that comes from it. And that is an emotional, spiritual, God-blessed connection that cannot be done with someone who is not your spouse. So you have done something, but you haven't had sex. It was an anonymous question, so I have no idea who it was. I have no idea how much I embarrassed him. Um, But I say this, do not settle for whatever that is. Do not settle for it. Do not settle for a physical gratification. Do not settle for something outside of the nest. Connected spiritual intimacy is what God is calling us to. And it is essential to our relationship. And we need to preserve it. We need to pursue it. And we need to make sure that we always have the energy that is needed to make this a vital part of our relationship with our spouse. Let me pray.